And if it was more accepted, maybe they wouldn't have had this issue in the first place. They could have just tried it out, realized that they're not good for each other, and moved on. Yeah. Um, instead, they got to repress it and then latch out and eat boys. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Of spooky stuff. Yeah. Talking about monstrous femmes. Monstrous. Monstrous femmes. Yeah. The monstrous feminine. Um, they're just femmes. Femme presenting. You don't, you, we don't know. Uh, yeah. They could be whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're a show that explores the real life historical and societal ways uh, <laughs> that the world is horrifying uh, and how it's expressed in our cinematic fears as well. And yeah. with our monstrous femme, we actually, uh, back in 2019, we covered Jennifer's body. It was a part of our New Year, New Me series. And it was when we got serious. Like, like we yeah. were always kind of serious. We were always really working on finding meaning in what we were doing, but we were still a little lost. And yeah. with Jennifer's body, we found, like, real books <laughs> to quote and, like, this whole experience. And so um, it, like, unlocked the possibilities for us in being able to actually be, like, spooky. Yeah, it really set the tone. It was like, we were like, whoa, we could like do a thing with this. I think it was like we both had this realization where we looked at each other and we're like, whoa. Yeah. We were having fun before. We had still have fun, but like, what yeah. if we like taught people stuff? Yeah. Like, what if we learned and then we taught and we showed what we learned? I think, I think honestly, <laughs> people, if, if the incel blog that I read told me anything, um, it was that we are 100% succubuses in their minds, uh, in that we are women, <laughs> we're women, opinions. period, that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we we're like, ability. yeah, we love the, the men's, they're good. Yeah. We, when we covered Jennifer's body originally, we didn't, we, we were pretty harsh. We had some feelings about it. Um, yeah. I thought it was cute and it was campy. Um, but we just, it, we weren't feeling it. And I don't know why, but we just weren't. I think maybe at that time we were still very much early in our journey of self-discovery ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say we weren't necessarily an authority on those subjects just yet and then we kind of worked up and developed that with time tiktok you know <laughs> yeah yeah and i uh i agree and i think like it was when we were really starting to put on our media analysis glasses and we didn't really know what to do with them yet <laughs> so yeah um it was similar early. we <laughs> yeah. just we were just like fresh eyes like i feel like everything i've watched since 
now that we've developed our media analysis glasses in such a way that like, I'm like, wow, so many things that I used to love really says a lot about who I was during that time. Like new girl, love new girl, but also, (laughs) but we're all a product of like our environments too. And the limited scope in which we were viewing the world it made sense. And like, I think similar to like, when we decided to like, relook at Midsommar, it was like something like, there's, we might be missing something, or maybe we need to go in with a different eye and, and not be so reactionary. um, Yeah, to like what our initial feelings were. And I think we benefited from that look like that look back into like, I still don't love it. But I think I totally get what people are seeing, and I think there is more in there. Um, uh-huh. So I'll give Ariaster a little more credit. Um, and I think the same with this, because at first I was like, <laughs> like I'm missing it. And then as I was sitting there, like my partner the whole time, because I mentioned that we we really like we knew there was that they were trying to pass along this like queer narrative, but it really. I just don't really love the relationship with Jennifer and Needy and we'll go into that. And so when I was watching, I was just mad <laughs> like the whole time. So I didn't really pick up or feel any of the, the queer tension that was there because most of it was that I didn't want them to be together. I didn't like it. Um, and so when yeah. we were watching this time, every time something like very queer happened, he would just look at me like, you didn't see that? You didn't see that happen. And I was like, I didn't want to see that. <laughs> and I was choosing to look somewhere else. And so uh, we're going to redeem ourselves with, with this more, you know, critical look into Jennifer's body. Yeah. And I mean, like, okay, we've had a podcast for almost four years now. We're, almost like in, we're like in year five. <laughs> it would it would be irresponsible, in my opinion, for us not to cover things we covered in the past just because... We're going to look at it through a different lens. That's the whole thing. That's the whole whole jam of the ghouls is that, like, we are always learning. So we're always going to have different opinions eventually about different things. Like, yeah, it's our whole thesis is that yeah. we're learning stuff. And being, like, open to that, too. Like, you know, we've heard we heard when people were like, you're hating on Midsommar and we love it for X, Y, and Z. We're like, okay, we hear you. Same thing with Jennifer's body. Like, people really love it. Okay, we're listening. Let's let's give it a shot. Like, like we are receptive to feedback and to understanding as long as it's not like, uh, contracted. We'll never watch I mean, that again. Yeah. I feel like we never <laughs> hated Jennifer's body. It was just like, we recognize the toxicity in their relationship and also just the sexualization of Jennifer. It was just like, yeah, can we not? <laughs> yeah. I get it. But also, ow. Yeah, I'm going to do a lot of comparing of this film to the Japanese horror film Tag, um, Mm. because I felt like similarly where it was like we're trying to like critique (laughs) the male gaze in this lens, but we're also contributing to it. So at what point are we actually doing that critique like and not just further furthering that narrative out there? So. I'm going to like bring that up because there's also like the queer tension in that as well. So um, there's a bit of that. And then next week we're talking about Ginger Snaps. So I have some connections there too, because both of those films um, are really like girls, right? (laughs) Like we like we're out here and we have experiences too. (laughs) We want people to hear about it. Horror films. Yeah. They're doing it. All right, let's dive in. Let's do it. Um, so Jennifer's body is from 2009. 
Uh, it definitely is. <laughs> you are, when you're watching it, you know for sure, because the aesthetic is very 2009. Um, there's many tiny uh, sweatshirts from probably Aeropostale. And <laughs> like all of those things from when I was growing up. And I was like, yeah, this is right. Yeah. Um, but for people who might not know, uh, Jennifer's body is about a newly possessed high school cheerleader turns into a succubus who specializes in killing her male classmates. Can her best friend put an end to the horror? And it's directed by Karen Kusama and written by Diablo Cody. And that was like super exciting. Um, I have like a shirt that says directed by Karen Kusama in the same font and everything. Cause I was like, I really, like, I really appreciate the work that she did uh, in this film, even like, yeah. Because it wasn't her fault. <laughs> like, all the things that got taken out in the male gaze of, like, the trailers and the marketing and even some of the shots, like, a lot of things were pulled back and it was because of the, the studio, not because yeah. of Karen. Like, she wanted she wanted to be way harder about it. And I think if someone gave her money right now, <laughs> she could remake Jennifer's body into something even cooler. Um, Ooh, I think that should happen. If you do yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Get more options for Karen Kusama. Uh, so uh, I wanted to start with the fact that the first two films in our Monstrous Femme series are these underrated classics that really deserve a critical eye, second viewing to appreciate. Um, like I'm speaking from my own experience, but I've talked to other people or I've watched, um, like in next week, I'll talk about this one YouTube channel found that had the same feeling where they were like, when I first watched it, I was like, okay, I get it. Um, and then you watch it again and you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> um, and with Jennifer's body, I was really guilty of not truly appreciating the film the first time. And I was really wanting more from the film while not actually accepting what it had to offer mm -hmm. given the time, um, which is another big barrier too. is like, we're looking at it through this lens where we live in a world where we can really demand more. <laughs> and, and it yeah. really means something to say, like, this was 2009 and they were saying things that um, it took a long time for other people to appreciate. Um, and so I wanted to give it a rewatch because everyone loved it. And uh, I think I found what I was missing and have grown to appreciate it. Um, if we have time, I do have a plot question that <laughs> I think is a whole, but we'll, we'll get, maybe we'll get to it, but I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't we'll add see. up. Uh, but let me dive into Jennifer's body uh, a little deeper. So one, hell is a teenage girl. That's what we hear from Needy uh, right out of the gate. And I feel that. <laughs> I felt like hell was my teenage girl time. The show <laughs> all the time. Um, but Jennifer's body follows the story of two sandbox friends. Uh, Jennifer, the hot, popular boy magnet, played by Megan Fox, and her unlikely regular girl bestie, Needy, played by Amanda Seyfried. Uh, Needy and Jennifer have an unconventional friendship, given that they seemingly operate in different uh, social circles. I say seemingly because they don't spend a lot of time at school. This is not Mean Girls. Yeah. Um, they're there, but they're not there. Like, I think we see them in class once, and like, I think then they report that like someone died, and she's just like, oh, he like he ate it. <laughs> like, yeah, the fact that this man died, so funny. Yeah. 
there's some pretty genuine like lines in there. I'm like, okay, uh, this is great. Um, Jennifer is a cheerleader and she drags reluctantly Needy along to her social gatherings, including a world-changing concert taking place in their small town's only bar. Many things happen in that faithful night. And there's uh, a lot of lying about virginity. There's baby Chris Pat- Pratt acting like a douche. Not a surprise. Uh, <laughs> Adrian Brody is hot as ever, frontlining a terrible indie band named Low Shoulder, a fire that takes out the entire bar and most of the patrons, and the death of Jennifer. Spoilers. It's the, you know, she's... I just told you she becomes a succubus. It's not a surprise. Um, (laughs) You see, this super cool underground band that Jennifer is such a big fan of doesn't want to be so underground anymore. So Low Shoulder has sought to make a pact with a demon, and what is fame really worth? Surely one lowly small town virgin is small change for indie band notoriety. Uh, And after the abrupt fire, the boys usher Jennifer into a shady white van, which Needy allows her to get into, and with honestly not much resistance at all. (laughs) I get the shock is real, but that's your best friend getting into a creepy pedo van. Like, <laughs> like I remember you texting me, Kat. Like, there's no way I'm letting you into a van. Yeah, um, like literally, so like stressful. I am running as if I am a rhino, headfirst into this van, and they will let you out of the van, or they will have to physically fight me, um, yeah. or I'm just going with you, and we're both gonna get murdered. And it's like one or the other. It was honestly, I get it. Shock. I think that's what it was, but also it's like there's. Low, like Loki, it's like, do you actually like Jennifer Needy? Do yeah, you? like yeah. as a her- human, like as a person, do you or do you want to own her just as much as she wants to own you? And that's like, yeah. there's a lot of that that's happening in here. And like, yeah, she really because like Jennifer like snaps at her, but it just showed like they don't really they have never had a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 all what we can give and take from each other instead of yeah. like what we can do for each other and care um so uh jennifer once in the van picks up pretty quickly how dangerous this is like after she um kind of snaps at needy she kind of comes to because she was in a daze like that whole time she was in a daze and like what like needy had to save her there was a lot going on and so she realizes like she is in this creepy van surrounded by a bunch of dudes and she is a young girl Mm-hmm. everyone remember mm-hmm. she is in high school um and she even asked like one of them if they're gonna rape her like she flat out is like this is dangerous situation and she ends up doubling down on the virgin theory in hopes that it would turn them off um yeah. and while all this is happening needy is home calling her boyfriend and low grade freaking out about all the deaths that occurred in front of her teenage eyes and the willing abduction of her supposed best friend uh then she quickly encounters the new jennifer who is at first uh, a mess and clearly something terrible has happened but after you know vomiting up a lot of black goo and devouring a chicken from Boston Market, which he's like, my mom got that from Boston Market. She's like, Rah. <laughs> it's like, what is this conversation we're having right now? Floor she's chicken. like, clearly something terrible happened to her, and you're like, you're eating our chicken. <laughs> like, we need yeah. to call somebody. Why it's is this your like, reaction? Ninety percent of the interactions are happening like while they're either both in shock or one of them is in shock, like not hand. Like they're in high school. I get it. It's just awesome. Yes. Why is the chicken floor chicken the focus of the stress right now? Like she is covered in blood. Yeah. But yeah. 
that's how it is that's how needy is um but then uh the next day we see that jennifer snaps back rather quickly and uh she arrives at school the next day even hotter than before and who knew that was even possible (laughs) like she's just like really cool now um and on top of that she's evil and not high school girl evil as needy would say but like demon evil Uh um the sacrifice backfired because jennifer isn't and hasn't been a virgin since middle school thus turning her into a boy devouring succubus and what happens next is your typical teen slasher movie antics uh needy raiding the small occult section of the school library did your school (laughs) your high school have a small occult section i don't think mine did (laughs) Um, yeah i don't think so either i feel like maybe the local library google kind of existed by the time I was in high school. Yeah. So I feel like if anything, Google would have been the route, but yeah, I don't know. She was in the library and they had it and they had succubus content. So that's interesting. Uh, Of course, there's always the research phase. Uh, There's gruesome, gory deaths. There's teen sex, prom fatalities, and a lot of queer undertones, which is what you get with teen slashers (laughs) like all the time so let's talk about whether or not jennifer's body is feminist because uh that was the crux of our conversation the first time we talked about it and it is something that people address often and that they feel it is very feminist and that it's underrated in that way um i think that jennifer is an interesting character and i wish we spent more time with her than needy quite honestly um her traumatic response to what happened to her isn't to get revenge on the band boys who did this to her but rather to attack the ideology that got her into the mess in the first place jennifer has only ever been what other people saw her as hot and available easy even it's easy to forget that she's a teenager until certain moments snap you back to reality like when they're at the bar and she remarks that she can't wait until they can drink because they're not allowed because they are children children. (laughs) so uh she is a child and she hasn't figured out how the world works yet all she knows is how the world has treated her and she does what she needs to to survive and so far that has meant being available in exactly what they want from her um which is why she uses her sexuality as a tool like that because that's all the value that any of people in society have given her Right. Um, So when she attacks the boys, it's not about them, but about the patriarchal society they are benefiting from, even unknowingly. Um, And I appreciate I appreciate it in this story. Like the reason why I feel that way is because Cody didn't write these boys as terrible. Like Uh it's very easy to make them evil or bad or abusive to validate her killing them. Uh huh. But that takes away from it because it's not about them. Like, she's not killing them because they're bad. She's killing them because the whole thing is bad. <laughs> because yeah, that's like all society. she knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, where she could have, uh, where Cody could have easily made the jock a douche, she instead made him really sensitive and he's crying over the loss of his best friend. In the emo boy, she brought clarity and respect. Not the response you expect from a young boy in a horror movie that's greeted by a seductive Megan Fox. but the whole time he's like are you cool is this okay like he checks on her so you feel bad when he's murdered um which when you think about feminism that's really it right (laughs) yeah well it's it's not not, it's not just like individual dudes who suck it's literally like the patriarchy is systemic 
just like other systems of oppression. And that just because there are good dudes doesn't invalidate the fact that the system actively hurts people. Yeah. And I mean, even before she goes out with the, the emo boy, she mentions like she gets asked out all the time. She says it to Needy. And there's this like they never say it like, like she does say like he's a good guy or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's never like, um, like not in that way. <laughs> like, like he's a good guy. So you did it or the nice guy, whatever. Um, but there's clearly like needy is like, yeah, you get asked out all the time, but this one is different. And like, you owe him. Like there's this like kind of under tension of like, you owe him just because he's not like the other ones. And that like, you can see that kind of occur, to Jennifer in that conversation where she's like, okay, fine. Then I will go out with him. And she just ends up like eating him. But yeah, like, she's just very upset that like people come up to me and they think they have the audacity to think that I have to give them something. I have mm-hmm. to give them the time of day. I have to go on a date with them just because they asked me. And I like, that's all that I am here. And needy is also doubling down and verifying that fact for you so she's mad and so she eats this boy regardless of if if he actually is a nice boy it's not about him um nudie uh needy's (laughs) uh needy's (laughs) boyfriend is offered pepper spray um his mother noting that uh there's a crazed killer out there targeting young boys and it's an unfamiliar concept in horror to have boys in peril which is one of the things that i really loved about it the first time i watched Mm -hmm. it i was like that's really cool i love it the existence of a hot succubus that preys on young men and played by Megan Fox could have pivoted the story in an entirely different direction. Um, from what we'll see in Cat section, there's already quite a lot of rhetoric around this stance of the empowered woman. When we yeah. first covered Jennifer's body, I spent a lot of time covering Barbara Creed's The Monstrous Feminine, film, feminism, and psychoanalysis, where she explores the ways in which horror has been used to portray society's fear of women, specifically empowered, powerful, and sexual women um and how naughty that is <laughs> you're evil because you know what sex is like and that it's good sometimes yeah um and it's terribly easy to villainize an over sexualized and strong female character like jennifer i mean the film is titled jennifer's body not yeah. what happened to jennifer or jennifer empowered succubus or lost girl jennifer's body is an item an object that this film revolves around the film is far from subtle yeah <laughs> if i'm being honest even though i enjoyed the film significantly more in this rewatch i was still disappointed with the treatment of jennifer jennifer is hurting and has been hurt Uh, Yet we never really get to spend time with that pain, and we never give Jennifer the patience for redemption. Needy is, quite honestly, a terrible friend. She let her get in the van, first of all. (laughs) You already know how I feel about that. Um, But she also jumps entirely too quickly to Jennifer is evil before taking time to meet her where she is to help. Like, she was just like, oh, she's evil. I knew that was always going to happen. Because yeah, she there was like the centering. I, I guess the film like did that to her in a lot of ways too for Needy. Um, mm-hmm. But there was the way like she centered herself by Jennifer's trauma that was really gross. Yeah, um, where she was like, "This horrible thing happened to you, but now we're going to talk about everything horrible you've ever done to me as if this is the time for that." Yeah, um, and yeah, it just made it all like. Jennifer had this horrific thing happen to her. And instead of being like, I'm worried about Jennifer because 
of actually caring about her. It was very much like, I am really worried about how this specifically impacts me. Um, and I'm only sad about it in that context. It's like, mm -hmm. how does this influence my direct life? And do I yeah. actually care about it? Like it really just didn't seem, it felt like just like everybody else, like we kind of like lend to is that like, she was just as much wanting to own Jennifer as anybody else saw her as an idea of a person instead of an actual person. And like, it was sad. Cause like, who else did she have really? No one. She didn't yeah. have any other friends who were kind to her. Nope. And yeah, I agree. I mean, maybe the film did that intentionally so that you really took that away, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're always like, ah, yeah. And I, I agree. Cause I think she definitely saw Jennifer as a commodity. Cause it was like, I like, she's cooler than me. And I benefit just from being her special person. And yeah. like I need to remain her special person just because I need to stay with her. Um, and I, yeah, I think it was super toxic. I think Needy is a, is a terrible friend. Um, yeah. And I think for all the, the overt queerness in this film, it was really missing love. Like, downright. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't any of that. Um, and, like, Jennifer is not a great friend. And I am by no means, like, defending her abusive, manipulative, and controlling behavior. Like, there's a point where she, like, oh, for sure. physically, like, pushes needy in an aggressive way that's just not cool. Um, yeah. But, again, they're both, like, children. Um, but I don't really see this as, like really being the time like <laughs> similar to what you said uh cat for needy to realize that and just say well she's always been the worst so f her like yeah <laughs> this is the time when we're gonna do that like you had a lot of time to decide that and this is yeah, there's so much opportunity <laughs> for you to have a problem with the situation you have been friends since elementary school yeah. sandbox friends like you've yes. been friends for this entire time there are instances where anything could have been mentioned before now and yeah, I agree. I think Jennifer has a lot of problems as well. Uh, yeah. And like, no one is taking the time to even kind of recognize her for who she actually is, or even set boundaries with her in like a healthy way. Yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely both sides, but yeah, it's sad either way. No one's like telling her that she's more than that, and that yeah. she deserves more than that. And so that's all she's ever done. And that's because people like, it's the same way how the um uh adrian birdie's character sees her and he assumes that she's a virgin because she was so obvious about her sexuality that he's like oh you do that to like overcompensate and you're like she's yeah. she's definitely a virgin it's like that for like her entire life though is like everyone's like oh she is okay because she has everything that anyone perceives yeah. would be of worth she's so pretty she so she help. can't be sad <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's pretty, so she can't be sad. Yeah. She's popular, so she can't be sad. It's like, popular for what, though? It's she also like the incel, a whole argument is like, women get all this stuff because they're hot and they can get free stuff. And it's like, free stuff, but also equal pay would be cool. Uh, yeah. And rights, right? maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, yeah, yeah having boobs, awesome. Body. Love yeah. it. Great. Totally. I can totally. flirt slightly with this person and maybe get a free coffee. Yay. Yeah, or she's like, I'll get the, the you know, um, the free beers from the bar. But then, you know, same scene, she ends up in a van with men who think she is so worthless that they murder her. Yeah, And they sing so while they do it. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, she means so little to everyone in this film. It's absurd. And I think at the end of the day, I will always want more from this film. Um, but again, considering when it was made and the poor initial reception, I think it was an amazing start and a truly unique yeah. and important film to the horror genre because of that. Like, I think it is an impactful point in horror history because it exists. And my asking for more is from this lens of someone who sees other things <laughs> like, yeah I think we need, like, and we're 2022 you know like exactly. it's a different time period uh th there was not a platform for this as much yeah it was uh, when it first came out yeah and no one saw it and sadly it was underappreciated for far too long um so i am really happy to see that it is getting the recognition it deserves because the film was marketed for a male audience despite protests from kusama like i said it reveled in the male gaze the trailer and other marketing material focused heavily on fox's hotness such as her naked swim in the lake or her uh hot kiss with needy and it was used to grab an audience that had no business being there like it had a bad reception because it was attracting men and yeah, it was a film which wasn't the audience for, for the film yeah <laughs> they were like what is this this is stupid like it was as if they like changed the marketing for like mean girls and tried to target dudes everyone would be like no that's not everyone knows what this film is for um and I think that's why it was really, you know, underappreciated because it wasn't being seen by the people it was about. Which brings me to the second part of my analysis, which is that Jennifer's body is hella queer. Yep. Uh, in this <laughs> relook, I get it. So I'm really kicking myself for being an absolute idiot my first watch through and missing so much of the queer undertones and overtones because um, <laughs> like I said it is not subtle in the least and again I think it really was my I just really don't like them <laughs> together and so I was just like I saw the abuse and the toxicity in their relationship more than I ever saw any like genuine care and it yeah. doesn't make it any less queer that she's a problematic interest um <laughs> like it still is like needy still lusted and had feelings for jennifer and it's still queer it's just that also queer people can be toxic <laughs> like, yeah. who knew right um so i still don't love the kiss with needy and jennifer and i do feel the existence of it in so much of the marketing materials only subtract subtracts from its true intention but it's honestly really hard not to see the connection and tension between the two when you're looking for it and when you're like yeah not being in a brat like i was the first time <laughs> um and cody doesn't hold back she's incredibly on the nose about it and one of my favorite lines is when needy says i thought you only murdered boys and jennifer replies i go both ways and it's yeah. like okay <laughs> it's super cheesy but i love it every time i'm like yeah. what a great line in a horror film about like a women a woman killer like it's so good also yay for bi representation <laughs> like, yeah we never get that so yay um one girl even uses the phrase lesbian gay which is weird because there's already a term for that and it's lesbian <laughs> yeah. you were halfway there girl it's just lesbian. You could have just she's said just the regular word. But she's not lesbian. She's lesbian. It's it's 100% because she's trying to make fun and not, like, it's literally to be rude. Yeah. yeah. So she and invented little, her like, own little, like, slur of yeah, sorts. Yeah, it's lesbian. Because, like, yeah. gay was, like, a slur, especially, like, during um, our youth, too. It was, like, yeah, early 2000s, gay, 90s. Right? Yeah. Whereas, like, lesbian maybe had a different connotation to it. And there's probably a different vision, especially in 2009, of what a lesbian even looks like. So, yeah, 
Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, anyway, when she said that, I was like, there's already a word. Yeah, um, you could have just said the regular one. But all right, whatever. Yeah. So like I said, uh, Needy and Jennifer reminded me a lot of Mitsuko and Kiko from Tag, which we covered um, in our uh, Good Ghouls Gone Bad series last year. And the reason why I saw that is that there's these two friends who clearly have a stronger than usual bond that borders on sexual tension and repressed urges. Like, when you think about it, would Mutsuko and Kiko be different if it were allowed? And the same thing with Jennifer and Needy. <laughs> if it was more accepted, maybe they wouldn't have had this issue in the first place. They could have just tried it out, realized that they're not good for each other, and moved on. Yeah. Um, instead, they got to repress it and then latch out and eat boys. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> with this new intentional viewing of the film, I picked up on that um, hint of love and tension these two friends had. Needy really aches to impress and satisfy Jennifer, partly to keep her interested, but also because I think she truly, like, appreciates Jennifer to some degree. Like, she does have this, like, ownership to her, and she needs that. There's clear codependency issues. Here. Yeah. Um, and we'll and get also, that like, next week, seeing too. in Jennifer things that she did not have the confidence to exhibit herself. Like, there was yeah. definitely an envy that went into that as well. Um, at least in my opinion. Like, it seemed like right. she really wished she could be as more like as confident as Jennifer and like there was some resentment because of that yeah like even when Jennifer gets hotter because of this whole thing it's like she's just bitter that she's hotter <laughs> not that like she might be a monster <laughs> she's just like and can you believe it she's even hotter than before and so I think she really embraced like I'm the quirky you know normal girl because she can't be yeah Jennifer. I wear glasses and I'm not as cool and wear giant sleeves to yeah. prom Maybe I'm compensating by dating this incredibly regular boy. Yeah. Because I don't need you. I need regular. Um, <laughs> Jennifer hasn't figured out what authentic love and desire looks like, and so her interpretation of it comes out all wrong for Needy. It becomes controlling and abusive. Like, she's just never seen what that's supposed to look like, and she's never been respected in a way where she can confidently say, I deserve this. Because she doesn't yeah. know what she deserves. She doesn't even know what she wants. Um, and so then it comes out as, like, lashing. Because she doesn't... She just needs to keep her. And she doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, and just as we found a queer appreciation from viewers in Tag, when the intended audience discovered this film, they felt seen. In an article on Bus titled, How Jennifer's Body Smashed Its Way Through the Male Gaze and Into Queer Feminist Cult Status by Holland Thigpen, they say... Megan Fox revealed herself to the New York Post that she's had countless girls thank her for helping them explore their sexuality, saying, I can't tell you how many girls from 30 down into their teens, or F that, my age too, come up to me and are like, I realized I was gay because of you, or I felt, com felt comfortable coming out because of you, because of Jennifer's body. If my purpose on earth was to help one girl come out of the closet and feel okay about it, I had an amazing purpose here. Um, and there are moments where this connection is palpable in the film. Um, and 
you know, just like in with Mitsuko and Kiko, they found those moments in secreted looks and soft, unassuming touches, as if those moments were just for them. And so too are those for Needy and Jennifer, whether it's Needy watching in awe from the bleachers as Jennifer lights up the entire gym. Uh, on the surface, it's painted as a, yep, that's my best friend Jennifer, she's hot and I'm not, what an unconventional friendship. And in fact, the dialogue would lead you to such a conclusion. But those of us who are really looking, that is a stolen moment. Later in the bar, yeah. Needy is watching Jennifer while Jennifer watches the band. And in each of Jennifer's teasing, snide remarks is a playful facade. This is not a one-sided love um, or affection, right? Yeah. Um, this is just the way that Jennifer communicates affection. <laughs> like, yeah. We all do that differently. I'm one of those people who are like, I make fun of you and that's how I show you I care. Um, it's a problem, but it happens. <laughs> Uh, when they eventually get to that scene, the makeout, uh, it starts awkward and unsure. It comes after an incredibly vulnerable moment, moment for Jennifer, who is trying to get the one person she trusts and cares about to know what she's going through. And yeah. it's interesting for all of that power and confidence that Jen Jennifer had in controlling those boys. She's not entirely sure what to do with Needy. Um, all she knows is that she wants to keep her and that this is how you do that. You use your body. That's the only way she's ever been able to obtain anything. Um, yeah. And it could have easily been just like an immediate hot makeout, like the Natalie Portman, uh, Portman Mila Kunis scene in Black Swan. But this scene instead is borderline innocent until it's not. Um, it involves into a hot connection, the repressed tension letting loose. Um, and it's not until Needy snaps out of it that we get the real fallout between the girls because... This was this like moment that they were yeah. building up to and to have it and in such a unhealthy way is really triggering. The ending features my favorite girl fight ever um, with this bickering that's too personal and can only come from a lifelong friendship. It's sassy and charming, and it brought out parts of the characters I wish had always been there, including so many of my favorite lines. It's comedy that I was missing the entire time. Um, yeah. One of my favorites is Needy being like, you know what? You were never really a good friend. Even when we were little, you used to steal my toys and pour lemonade on my bed. And Jennifer says, and now I'm meeting your boyfriend. See, at least I'm consistent. <laughs> and I was like, that is the best line I've ever heard. Um, that and like, she's like, oh, she can fly. <laughs> and he's like, she's just floating. It's not that impressive. And I was like, this is the best snarky yeah. girl conversation I've ever seen. And I think it like really showcases showcases the fact that this, if it was remade like with the actual one, like because I feel like that was genuine, like the writing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was what they wanted it to be. And if that was seen throughout, instead of it just being like, "Men, look, Megan Fox is on screen doing hot stuff," um, which is like. Megan Fox can really act. Like, if you look at yeah. any of those things, like, throughout, like, she is acting her entire... Like, she's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, when, she, when they're, like, killing her, uh -huh. she's, like, really scared. And it's, yeah. like, terrifying to see her. And when she's kind of losing it and she's, like, painting on her face because she's, like, slowly dying and she... You can tell she doesn't want to keep doing this. This is what she has to do. Like, she's not super bright as a person. And she's, like... I'm just surviving, and that means I gotta eat, boys. Um, but yeah. I think Megan Fox is an 
honestly was a really, really amazing actress and does uh-huh. not get enough credit for it. And I feel like if they were to remake the film, that they could really like lean into what was actually intended. I feel like now we're more in a time where there's an ask for that. Like the mm-hmm. whole movie field right now is like trying to like reach for representation in different categories because that's what like people are finally being like, we need it. Stop putting all these stupid people. I don't want to see any more heteronormative relationships. Get around here. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, no. And it's, and it's, I think we're still like a little far away from getting it like on mainstream, like TV and movies and stuff like that. But we're like way closer than we were before. And I feel like maybe now if they were to remake the film, they could do some more authentically that was significantly less male gazy. Um, and then also just like, yeah, I feel like they could like even enhance their relationship more, maybe get more of like Jennifer's background and like what made her even just like her this point of view yeah like, give her the like autonomy mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like for the story and for her body and for the whole thing um and not this commodification of her i think that would have been really cool and solid yeah and like just yeah really lean into the comedy at the end because that's what like really honestly made the, <laughs> the film so like memorable and funny uh was like all the monster times afterwards uh mm-hmm. So, um, this episode was surprisingly interesting, albeit challenging to research for, specifically the main reason being that in Googling succubus, uh, you get a few links to mythology notes and a whole lot more to incel adjacent writings of ranting angry men. Um, I do not recommend reading them while also I do recommend reading them just because it's like really interesting, like for science, you know, <laughs> like read them for science. <laughs> They're terrifying, but in that like way, if you're like me and you kind of like can't help but be fascinated slash terrified by it, like you want to know your enemy kind of yeah. deal. Um, and also just like uh, the entire thing was... One filled with so many contradictions and hypocrisy. Um, it was super scary in that there are so many people who actually like viscerally believe these things like so intensely that they feel like they need to tell other people, you know, they need to make a website all about this. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're me, you read that entire website and you were fascinated yet extremely terrified. Um, specifically, and now I know way too much about their interpretation of women as energy succubi who like steal their essence slash life energy of through course. various forms like nagging or <laughs> um, sex yeah. or just like through stealing attention. Like that was a big focus of it. Like it was like, she wants you to hang out with her on the weekend and the one time you're like, I'm gonna go hang out with my friends. It's a problem. And I was yeah. like, all right. It's like the idea of like the the um the woman who doesn't want him to play video games. Yeah. It's like you're so controlling it, she won't let me play video games. Like who is doing that? Like <laughs> You get to be over there for a while. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <fun> one. <laughs> and it's just like, everyone has the capacity to be toxic and do crappy things. But it, it was just very interesting because it was hip- hypocritical in that like, they're like, you're a high value man. Your semen is your life energy and it needs to be protected at all costs. Uh-huh. Um, and like, there's this but whole also thing. also they won't let me have sex with them. Yeah, maybe even some of them were like, it's cool if you want to have sex, but don't do it too much because she's going to steal your life energy. And it was like, I was like, bro, <laughs> just say you're repressed. Uh, so, it's, so it's it's not even they won't have they won't have sex with me. It's that I don't want to have sex with them. So now they have the power back. 
it, it's it's a it's a confusing little fun time that is genuinely terrifying. I recommend reading it just for science, but also don't. Kicks. Cause like don't but give their don't give important. their SEO like attention. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that was really fun about this is to realize how much they probably hate us. Uh, in that we they describe uh, feminists as succubus like by default like immediately you are a succubus if you're a feminist and it's like also like really interesting to think about because like feminism is literally just wanting equality. Um, yeah. you're literally like, it's not to like overpower it. It's literally like, I would like to get paid the same amount, please. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I have to like have life and survive in a capitalistic society, I'm going to need to be able to afford that. So like I yeah. need to work too. And then the life around that needs to like operate in a way that's not oppressive and like death giving. Yeah. Um, they equate feminism with misandry, which is not true. It's not yeah. fe all feminists hate all men. It's it literally yeah. we want to be equal. Yeah. And it, it's all time. Uh, and it's not to say like there aren't lots of men that I do hate. Uh, I think that's also true. Like the um, author of this? I, I don't know <laughs> if I hate him. I'm more so I'm just like sweet, sweet, not sweet, but that's the wrong word. You it's just like you corrupted little baby. Uh, <laughs> like this is so real for you. And that's sad in its own way. Um, yeah. It's terrifying, but also kind of sad. So, I mean, there is a history of succubuses and succubi. it's succubi. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to say words, <laughs> history of succubi. Uh, and it's complex, both as a means of like how it's been used throughout history to demonize women, as well as like those who define gender or sexuality norms across time. Uh, there are many cr claims of succubi stealing the souls of men or rather blamed on succubi who either probably did exist or were just like people who didn't fit into the oppressive gender standards, uh, be dubbed demons. So they're like, mm -hmm. you are not a submissive person. You are now a succubus. Um, so if you really think of like Lilith, uh, and like the Bible and all that stuff, uh, there's a fine line between like what actual, descriptions like you can't get a clear answer like they steal souls that's like the one thing that you get and then they might eat babies mm -hmm. you don't really know what they look like they could just be regular ladies they could be other kind of you know you don't know you don't know what's happening so a fun line that my thoughts went down last night when i was on benadryl um helped me come up with that the fear of succubi stem from like and the creation of succubi and use of them throughout history stem from a desire of men to not be held accountable by oppressive religious standards um, and that in a time where sex was considered a grave sin a succubus was an easy scapegoat for men who didn't follow the rules um, mm -hmm. this could also apply to women who own their sexuality or you know acted unlike Christianity's Eve and instead leaned heavier into the characteristics of Lilith. Um, the construction and the fall from Eden and as a literary piece, uh, the introduction, introduction of Eve as the good woman um, and Lilith as the bad woman is an entire feminism discussion that is relevant here to consider. Like ultimately the Bible itself was written how it was for a reason. We kind of got in this with horror queers mm -hmm. um, and it's to convey a message uh, of moral standard that it wanted to resonate with people and act as a means and justification to ostracize others. So fun fact, Lilith is considered the first succubus uh, in a lot of things. Uh, and her children were Lilith, which I'll get into. It's like a whole thing. Uh, mm -hmm. but there's a lot to be unpacked surrounding the ways in which these stories were altered over time and at a point of influence over population. So like 
the different translations and stuff like that. Uh, and it all kind of ties back to fueling societal norms, war, genocide, as a way to like ostracize a group of people, women, people of color, anything, queer people. Like it's literally like LGBTQIA, it's different literally labels, monsters. It. Yeah, it's everyone <laughs> kind of gets monsterized in this uh, definition. So let's define succubus. According to monster.fandom.com slash wiki, similar definitions were found on many other sites that I found. Uh, succubi or succubus are powerful female demons who use their sexuality to appear through the dreams of victims, usually young men, and they then seduce and prey on these victims, slowly draining their souls with each encounter. So from a history or historiographical standpoint, I think the existence of a succubus and incubus also uh, as mm -hmm. a point of lore and fear inherently makes a lot of sense to me. Um, while they seem to arise in many cultures across the globe and in specific mythology, the way in which they appear differs. And it seems that it's mostly as an explanation for sexual desire um, that is unwelcomed. So succubi are used as an explanation for wet dreams and other examples define them as an explanation for sleep paralysis. Um, but it's just like really interesting to me that they're like, it's not my fault. It's like, we're not bad. Like, cause masturbation was considered a sin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, yeah. Like, like cornflakes was invented. Mm -hmm. So like <laughs> nighttime emissions are like, it wasn't just a natural body occurrence. It was a succubus. The evil woman. Yeah. They came like, into my dreams and did this. I was like, if you're such a pure God fearing man in all aspects of your life, then it couldn't possibly be you. It can't be your fault that your body is reacting the way that it is and lusting for mm -hmm. anyone. And yeah, it's a whole time. Uh, specifically, there are instances uh, where the explanation of succubi and incubi are seen as interchangeable, which I thought was really interesting that like, essentially they are a threat no matter what gender they're going after uh and it doesn't and their like gender can be interchangeable essentially i will say i just because i found this really interesting because i had a whole conversation with Wimoto from dusky projects yeah where we were like why these names like why do, is there like a female version and a male version and succubi like the when you're like studying the, the mm -hmm. um word um the difference between suck and incubus is the position that they're in yeah so succubi are below are like i read bottom. that as well yeah and so it's like, it's like missionary stupid. versus like, not like, like that's not like a gender norm it's like and also if you're a sex demon then i doubt that your primary like position is that you're beneath this man yeah, and, and it's very interesting in that, uh, so Thomas Aquinas, uh, I forget exactly all the stuff I learned about him when I was in college, but what, he writes a lot about religion. Um, and he originally, like, really spoke to the fact that the, like, succubi and incubi were interchanged. Like, it really was just, like, you're on top or you're on bottom, and gender isn't real. Yeah. But then they changed it because that supported that gender was, like, a made-up thing. Like, they were just like... Because it doesn't matter. There are no rules. <laughs> um, yeah. But they, that went against what, like, the church was trying to say. So, like, you can't change... You need to change that. Like, that's not what we're trying to send out as a message. Because then you're basically supporting that uh, gender is a construct. Um, 
that doesn't Can't have matter. That. Um, so they changed it because they were like, oh, yeah, that does seem to contradict a lot of our really great points. Um, the really good ones. Yeah. So uh, succubi and incubi, unfortunately, uh, in their representation throughout like history and mythology, often act as an explanation for various things. So like birth defects, disabilities, and honestly, anything LGBTQIA, um, which has its own very upsetting and like problematic motivations. Um, as mentioned before, they were used ultimately to demonize women and fuel the rantings of angry men on internet for forums. Um, the fact that they literally exist today, I guess, like where they're like yeah. succubus are just ladies and they just steal your energy and their life essence. Um, ultimately, just as we see in horror movie with monsters coded it as any and all oppressed groups within our society, the use of monsters in lore and mythology and history operates similarly um, in that if there's something that people of the normative times do not understand they're very quick to be like it was a monster it was mm -hmm. a demon it was this thing that we're going to very intentionally try to like make not okay societally so we're gonna code it as a monster and we're gonna say like it is literally something evil is happening to you instead of just like yeah. this is what happens when life exists um <laughs> and just let life do you know um but there's a story of succubus that I was able to find on mythology.net that provides some background. And it mentions Lilith. Uh, Lilith is known as the mother of all succubi. Uh, Lilith has been written into Sumerian, Egyptian, Greek, Roman, Judaic, and Christian mythology. Uh, their origin started in Sumerian culture as a goddess of fertility um, and witchcraft. And in later iterations, she was associated with demons within the Assyrian and Babylonian culture. In Greek mythology, Lilith was just like a beautiful woman who was transformed into a monster by Hera because Zeus expressed interest in her. Uh, hmm. In this iteration, uh, Lilith seduced men and ate babies for the Ju Judeo-Christian side. Um, and in the Judeo-Christian mythology, Lilith was Adam's first wife, who, unlike Eve, refused to call Adam her leader. Instead of staying with Adam, Lilith went to the Red Sea, where hordes of demons lived, uh, mm -hmm. and claimed to prefer demons to man, mating with them Same. and creating Lilim. Um, so these Lilim were classified as succubi, just as Lilith was class classified as a succubus. Uh, demons, in their own right, to corrupt men. Um, and according to Jewish folklore, the Lilin are the daughters of Lilith and Adam conceived while she was his first wife. Uh, they are demons with their function being that of a succubus. And then men and also mothers feared the attack of Lilin, uh, specifically uh, that they would kidnap children and eat them. That was a thing that was like pretty heavily feared. Uh, so I found something that's really ridiculous and fun. Uh, and we're going to do it. We're not going to do it, but like, we're going to talk about it. It's uh, the Lilith gallery offers an interesting list of steps on how to summon a succubus in 10 easy steps. So this is what I imagine the band found online and like printed out as they were about to uh, murder Jennifer in this movie. They're like, I found it on Google. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's totally going to work guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we have the dagger. You have the girl. Yeah, it's what 10 steps, need? 10 easy steps. Uh, to summoning a succubus. Uh, it's a little different than theirs, but we'll go through it. I do not recommend doing this. I will say strongly that we are not going to actually summon a succubus. It's a hard pass. Um, Isaiah would never come home, and that would just be really sad for me, so we're not going to do that. Uh, but step one, clearly mark your floor with a white cord or white chalk. 
and make a protective circle or pentagram. A white marble inland in black marble floor would be best. So if you have that available. Um, but most people can't afford that. <laughs> it is important that nothing disrupts this protective circle. Even a bit of dirt across a white line could ruin the spell. Um, step two. Easy enough. Easy enough. Yeah. Take three black candles or five. Okay. And place them at equal distances apart inside the circle. Is it important that they're black candles? It says black candles. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why it would matter. Like, why can't it just be candles? See, this yeah. is why it's from Google. It's from the internet. <laughs> you can't lie on the internet, Kat. Yeah, it's facts. <laughs> um, so step three, outside the circle, make three or five, same number as the candles, uh, protective talismans or sigils around you. Okay. Step four, if possible, create an outer circle made of crushed protective herbs that are mixed together. It does not list. Don't specify. It doesn't list the herbs. <laughs> you just kind of have to have a innate knowledge so of what pr protect protective herbs are. And um, it does say if possible. So yeah. it's not it could be just nine steps. Yeah. Get some like Italian seasoning because it's all of them mixed together. Yeah. Just sprinkle that in a circle around some you. I think pepper. that'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Italian. <laughs> Um, make yourself some sage and butter gnocchi and then just eat that as you're conducting yeah. the ritual. Um, step five, calm yourself and relax. Center yourself. Okay. Say hello to the sun. You know, yes. really just do some breathing. Um, step six, now visualize the circle around you, protecting you and separating you from the rest of your house. This is asterisk, essential asterisk. It's essential. No. Um, step seven. Once you have done that and the candles are lit, lay in the pentagram position, arms straight out, legs apart, and summon the succubus, succubus or incubus. I imagine this is How? your. This is more you are inviting a succubus or incubus into your own body. Um, yeah. is what I'm gathering. And, and how do you, like, it just says, and some in it. Like, is there's no word. <laughs> there's, no, there's no phrase. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. It's just um, like, come Oh, on. Th this is my favorite come part. Here. Step eight, feel her come into the circle and feel her power. Okay. Okay. So you just know, you know, that they're there you with you. Ask her to come politely and she's like, Feel her coalesce into a physical or semi-physical form. And now you'll be able to interact with her. That's step nine. Yes. Step 10, she should be easier to invoke and banish than an incubus, which is rude. <laughs> Why? Um, and I suggest to an account, successful encounter with her will fo be followed by a successful banishing of her before attempting the more aggressive incubus. Always do this with the new moon. That should have been at the start. That should have been at the beginning. Because what if I already all did this and now I'm like... Yeah, yes. and it's like not the new moon. It's not the new moon. I think it was the new moon when they did when they summoned her in Jennifer's body, too. They made yeah. like a remark about the moon. But, like... <laughs> so you're just, like, summoning her because you want to you wanna get laid. And then you're like, okay, bye. Yeah. It was really weird. It was like, why is the... It didn't even, like, state intention of, like, why Why do you like, want to summon the section? Now I'm curious. I'm going to look real quick, because why? Yeah. There's a special... This, this version has no words or special chant. I truly doubt it works. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing it on the internet, then. Uh, that's what it says, like, immediately after. Uh, the spell was apparently popular in the Victorian age because occult things were considered to be fashion back then. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't be burnt at the stake 
either. Uh, the Inquisition was long since over. So uh, don't start any witch trials by accident. Okay. Okay. That's what in. it says. This is a very funny article, honestly. It's literally. Is in, it's like, everyone. this isn't going to do anything, but also it's just for funsies, you know? What yeah, I mean? this is for funsies. This comes right after the seance party where we talk to whoever was in the house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Summon her. The interesting. It's such a weird, like, you're using her as a tool. Like, how dare you? She is a demon. It was also rude that they, like, specified, like, they're like, uh, a succubus is just, like, less aggressive than an incubus. Because they're, yeah. they're still going by the gender norm. So they're like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like, you, you could easily banish a succubus. Yeah. Which is weird, weird because if they're the same job. Lilith, she was, like, the first one. Yeah. Lilith gets a whole bad rap, which is just super rude. Because it's, like... Her whole thing is, like, I don't want to be a not real person. I'm going to go be a real person over here. You go experience your time with your rib. Um, it's literally, like, your hand, essentially. I don't know. It's yeah. just, like... Well, yeah, she was, like, we were both made from the sand. It said, yeah. God made man and woman. He said that. And then later, all of a sudden, Eve is made from the rib. So it's like, what happened to that lady who was made exactly with you at the same time, equal yeah. to you? Uh, probably Adam threw a little fit. He was like, my dad said, you, daddy said that you do obey me. And she's like, mm, doubt. I am the bestest <laughs> also, boy, so. Care. And then Eve came up and was like, time to sabotage. <laughs> so all the women yeah. are just conveyed as evil and that's just how yeah like, and it's, it's you think about it from a historiography standpoint and like we're looking at it like why was it written this way and it, it's very i think considering the time period considering what it still like activates now within society that it's pretty obvious that it was used as a tool to convey lessons sure but that the lessons were that women are less and like why is that what we're trying to uphold i mean have you heard about society? Yeah. <laughs> Have you oh, I get why. I get. I get why. <laughs> it's just more sense like well, it's really rude though. Can we just yeah. not? It is super rude. Um, yes, but I'm thankful for for this series and for revisiting Jennifer's body. Yeah. We have a lot of exciting things to talk about when we do Ginger Snaps and all the other ones that we have coming up for this series. And we're gonna learn about all these different monsters and honestly how monstrousizing women. It's just like, a t it's just what we've been doing for forever. Whenever we can't uh, control a woman or put her into her place or have her fulfill the gender neutral norm roles that they have. Um, instead, they want to like live their own life and God forbid. So yeah. they're a monster now. And ultimately, they're, they're the thing, that bad thing that happens to men. That's, like, the biggest takeaway. Even with werewolves, it's like, there's not a lot of lady werewolves, but there are a lot of ladies who turn men into werewolves, because, like, how dare? Because they got to control them. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, you did bad thing. Men are now suffer forever because of you. Yeah. And it's like, if that's what it is, then, like, why are we even here? Yeah. If we could all do that, I think we all would. <laughs> um awesome so uh thank you for listening and i hope you enjoy our monstrous femmes series uh let us know if there are monstrous femmes that you think of that you are finding very interesting um because maybe we're gonna cover them or if you have feelings about jennifer's body um if we still didn't do it justice even yeah. with this new look uh let us know we'd love to hear it um and don't get married
Later, kids. Yeah, that's it. I don't have a funny quick for this one. <laughs> <laughs>